Welcome, everyone, to part two of our Before Trilogy catch-up with our special guests, Allison Sarlock, Josh Lentz, and Stacey Jorgensen. When we left our story, John Longino had finally been exposed to the glory that is before sunrise, and he loved it, so we're one for three. Can we onboard him for part two of this amazing love story before sunset? Let's waste no more time and find out. Welcome to the catch-up. Every so often, we pick a movie everybody has seen, but one of us, watch it, and finally, catch up. I'm John Nelson. I'm John Longino. I'm Allison Starlock. I'm Josh Lentz. I'm Stacy Jorgensen. Hey, we're back, everybody. Back for part two of our uh, Before trilogy. This one is Before Sunset. <laughs> I always have to think about that it before I say it because <laughs> the first ones confuse me. The third one, at least, has, you know, it's Before Midnight. It at least has a completely different feel to it. Uh, we're not watching After the Sunset? No. <laughs> but, okay. I mean, I guess we could. Okay. But I love that movie. I'm in for that one. <laughs> Here we go. All right. Well, Pierce Brosnan coming up. <laughs> Before we get started, y'all can reach us at holduppodcast at gmail.com or you can go to holduppodcast.com and see all of our links to social medias. Glad that's out of the way. Okay. So, once again, Longino, you're our only one here who has not seen the movie in question, right? Yes. Okay. That, that I didn't sneak off between uh, movies and go watch the whole thing. Although I, I was tempted to. I oh, I'm sure. <laughs> I was I, too. I, I was tempted as well. Yeah. I almost went home and just watched it right after I left here. But <laughs> but I was I was faithful and I have, I have not seen <laughs> the ones since the first one. Well, I appreciate that. Well, okay, for the audience who maybe hasn't uh, seen the first one, we, uh, we're doing the whole trilogy together. So the first one was Before Sunrise. It's where Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy meet together on a train in Paris, right? I'm not, or is it Italy? Now in I'm already. Vienna. Vienna. Yeah, out on the way to Amsterdam. Vienna. Jesus, yes. yes yeah. On the way to Amsterdam. They meet together on a plane, uh, on a plane. <laughs> <laughs> they meet oh, on geez. a monorail in Disneyland. Uh, and they. Uh, John doesn't remember this movie. I don't, it was, I don't, he was I don't, in a fugue state. About? This is the one. It was a year ago. Yeah. <laughs> is this the Cillian Murphy, like, airplane horror movie that I've heard about? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Red um, Eye. Rachel McAdams. They, they take a chance on each other. They get off the train. They spend the night together. And then they vowed at the end of the movie to come back in six months and meet on a very particular date in the spot where they were standing. And then they parted and we don't know what happened. We're about to find out what happened. Now, Longino, you made the prediction last time. Do you want to repeat more or less what you said last time, what you think is going to happen? I think my preference was no. I think I think to me, the ideal scenario was they never saw each other again. They did not make the the agreed upon date of what was it a year later or whatever I don't remember six, six months. months yeah six months uh, no yeah I I think ideally they they didn't I and you know I'd hate to do the first movie again but I I do like the idea that this would be another chance encounter I know that's a little silly like how <laughs> you would just run into the same person on Earth <laughs> randomly again. But that would to me be kind of cool, and then they ha- they're like, "Oh no, oh my gosh, sorry, I you know didn't make it to the thing. Holy crap! Like <laughs> I finally found you, and that maybe they you know take it from there. That's sort of my hope for it. But oh. you don't think that's what's going to happen? You think they're just gonna they will? I don't actually. Up? I honestly have no idea. Oh, okay. I mean, what, Ooh, there's only a few options. Like either they met up or they didn't. Right. So right. if they met up, maybe they're together. If they or maybe they met up and it didn't work out. I don't know. Like, but I'm hoping they didn't. Okay. 
Interesting. So, all right, for, for Longino and the audience, we are going to try to be as spoiler-free in this first half as we can, but in case we slip or something like that, our apologies. We are entering potential spoiler territory, but we're going to try and keep it as spoiler-free as possible. That said, Stacy. When when you saw this movie before sunset the first time, where were you in life and why did this affect you however it affected you? Okay, I feel really unprepared because I cannot remember. I've been racking my brain trying to figure out. I know it was 2004. So um, before I had kids, I would go to like six movies a week. So I probably saw it like <laughs> a movie marathon, probably like two in a night or something. Um, right. And yeah, I, I do remember thinking it was charming and hoping they would recreate the magic of the first one. I know that much. Well, I mean, Allie and I have the same story, so. Right. We went to see it together and yes. uh, and we were pretty newly married when it came out. So yeah, we'd only been was, married like a year, maybe. Yeah, something like that. And uh, Allie, did you have to force John? Because I know he hated Ethan Hawke. Did you oh, it was a little bit of a favor movie go? date. Yeah, okay. although I had served. already started to soften on Ethan Hawke by this point. She can she can verify. I had already like he'd done Training Day and Gattaca yeah, and a yeah. few others, and so I was already like, well, Ethan Hawke has proven to me that he knows what he's doing. And she's like, I want to see this, and I'm like, eh, I don't care, but I'm going to go see it. But like I said in the last episode, this is the one that turned me. I saw this oh, yeah. one, and not only did I really enjoy this movie, but it it turned me around on the first movie, and. You'll see why, of course, later. But part of it was just like it it sort of validated my feelings on the first movie without sort of throwing them under the bus the way I would have <laughs> as a as at their age. Yeah. So I, I it, it pulled an amazing what is to me one of the most amazing tricks in, in cinema, because, of course, it's so loaded for me that that second movie just being able to turn two movies around it's like well this is amazing so and it also has uh i think one of the most startling endings i remember ever seeing i mean i remember Mm. watching that in the in the theater and being like that's the ending that was so weird when he just like reached out and like popped her and then cut her throat (laughs) so and then she wrote you know things in her own blood on the wall right and then before midnight is is a ghost story i feel like you're talking about the purge <laughs> oh, oh that, that Ethan Hawke, other Ethan Hawke, yeah. That was. Wait, so, oh, so oh. Allie, did it? Did it meet your expectations when you? It exceeded them because I remember really loving that first one, but I hadn't. Um, I don't think I'd seen it for a bit, uh, yeah. and so I was like, "Wow, I, this one felt even richer," and uh, and really just it wasn't just the ending that snuck up on me. Everything felt very, uh, yeah, just rich and adult. Yes. yes, you know, much more grown, uh, much more, um, yeah, much more emotional and relatable. And well, they certainly embrace the characters for who they are, which is, uh, you know, it sounds like, oh yeah, sure, they, you know, let them be, but no, they do. Of, they really respect yeah. all three movies. They really respect those characters, and yes. they and mm-hmm. and by respecting them, also like will absolutely shine the light on the places of them that are shitty yeah (laughs) you know well that's the thing is these characters are flawed and they and what's interesting about this particular movie compared to the first one is there's things that they talk about in relation to the first movie and you see how their opinions and their selves have changed over time they they accept that like people don't remember things with startling clarity i mean they remember they spent the night and there's certain moments that each of them have in common but there's moments that each of them remember separately and the other one's like wait what I don't remember that at all. So it's it, it was a really interesting like examination of like memory. you know again memory and you know what people bring to things. Yeah. So yeah, Josh, what what was your experience with it? Uh, I'm much like Stacy. I can't 
really remember exactly what I know that I'd seen it. Uh, I luckily got to see it a year or two after the first after I saw the first one. So there wasn't a huge wait period um, between the two, which was nice. And I was just blown away because I kind of didn't want them to ruin the magic of the first one. And I thought that by making a sequel, they would. But it actually it the two of them combined, as I've said many times, are like basically uh, together. They are my favorite movie. And <laughs> yes. And yeah, I just I I love the characters and I love like the journey that they go on. Um, and it's weird because. I never think, you know, we have so many conversations where we ask, what, what's the best sequel? What sequel is better than the first one? And I never think of this one. Like, <laughs> Oh, this is the no, one I always cir- cite. Oh, yeah, I always say, funny. oh, no, Before Sunset is like the best sequel. Because it's like Terminator 2 and then I don't know. <laughs> it's like that Terminator got- 2 before Sunset. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, again, for me, it is one of the, I mean, this is, I, I'm with you. It's, this is like Godfather territory when it casts a light on the first movie. That's yeah. like, that's amazing. Which The Godfather 2 also did, yes, by the way. Of course. Well, that's what a, a good sequel should do, is then deepen the original, shine new light in er- different areas and all that good stuff. Yeah, uh, Josh, it's interesting to hear you talk about your concerns going into it when you first saw it and how they were sort of alleviated. Because as someone who hasn't seen it, <laughs> what you said is kind of how I feel right now, which is sort of like, I really, really like that first movie, and it feels like it doesn't need continuing. Yes. I, I sort of, I, there's something about the idea of like, did they or did they not get together that I would have, have honestly preferred to just like keep a mystery forever. Like I feel, I, I I feel the really exact same way. Yeah. And it's funny cause they kind of touch on it, which no spoilers, but they do touch on that, uh, in the film, which I, I thought was kind of okay. cute. Yeah. yeah there's well, like they, the uh, slightest amount of self-awareness that this way. This movie yeah. is the shortest of the three, which is, already quite a trick because i don't think it's even a full 90 minutes or i, I want to say like it's that. like 88 or something it's, 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 it's like short. john's favorite thing yeah it's like, know, oh it's is it brief. short i'm gonna get to bed early tonight it's gonna be great. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it packs a lot in it packs it uh, you know again they're talking it's partly based on uh you know ethan hawk and julie delpy themselves so you know they do bring a lot of themselves to the character but it just packs so much of their characters and their lives and just who they are in just this hour and 20 eight minutes or 22 minutes or whatever it is yeah um and by the way i re- one of the things i distinctly remember about seeing this movie is we saw it as a screener at like the writers guild theater or something like that it was one of those times you know i was uh, like a fresh... no we saw it at the arc Light, but i think it was a screening are you sure like a, a, yeah no you're th- or you're thinking of the um nope, human memory yeah see this, <laughs> see, is, why... this is what happens but see, we went to why, the same know, thing is... together and you know but now it's been long see, enough we saw too. boyhood at the arc Light, but the, the yeah. before sunset see i keep doing it. i keep okay, hesitating maybe. I don't know. I, I could swear we saw it at the like the, the Writers Guild Theater because I was uh, like a freshly minted screenwriter at the time. And this was one of the, you know, in the first sort of season. Oh, yes. Of, where it was like, ooh, we're, we have WGA screenings. We get screeners. We, we get to go into the exclusive <laughs> club. Now I found out that's like even, uh, you know, old members who don't sell their scripts anymore uh, can still go to the uh, the Writers Guild Theater if they want. So, <laughs> so it's not as uh, cute as it used to be. But, you know. I, I remember at the time feeling very proud. So. <laughs> but yeah, well, the other thing about it at the time is that I would, again, I've said this before, I'm more or less the age of the characters. So seeing them going through, and we had, like Allie and I said, we'd just been married fairly re- recently, and to see them like on screen nine years later or 10 years later and sort of going through the same like changes of life was really interesting to me. And yeah. 
it seemed like then like, oh, we're so old and, you know, all of our adventures have been so cataloged in a, in a particular <laughs> way. And then the third one came along and still managed to be like, no, you're not you're not done yet. <laughs> you want to you, there's changes yet a coming. Yeah. Life is always more change, which is, and, you know, yeah, is always evolving. Wonderful and depressing. How about Stacy? How about you? Hun? How did you feel about um, when you had seen that first one? Did you were you because I was like wishing, uh, wishing that they were going to do a sequel because I remember they had that one scene in Waking Life with the two of them. And then I was like, oh man, maybe one of these days they'd actually answer the question. And I just, I I had such faith they'd do it well because I was so in love with that first one. But what did you think? Were you kind of like, don't touch it or? No, I think I was, you know, always hoping like, I remember hearing about this and knowing that they were going to do a sequel. And they both were heavily involved in the writing again, weren't they? On this one as well. Yeah, they they have the oh, yeah. writing co-writing yeah, credit with, on this one. Yeah, so I remember thinking that, that it was a really yeah. good idea because I always thought like, again, because of the moment in time, right? Like you're kind of like the film is frozen for you at that moment of who you were when you saw yeah. it. So because I had just done that trip to Europe and, you know, I, I felt so connected to that kind of story. Um, I do remember thinking I wanted to know more. I Again, I, I know I said this on the last one, but I had wished they'd stop before the third, but... <laughs> But I was excited when they did the sequel and I, I did want to see their chemistry again. And it was like, you know, kind of like visiting old friends, for lack of a better term. Yeah. That's that's yeah. a great way of putting it for sure. Yeah, because and especially with it being nine years after, I don't know, it, yeah. it to me would be different if it was like, oh, it's t- like the fact that it takes place so many years after it is like catching up with old friends. And I really love that about it, too, because you get to see how much they've changed, you know, in their characters and just it, it's it was a really refreshing sequel, which I, I don't think there are too many. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, and the interesting thing is Allie and I were talking about this earlier today. It is about nine years since before midnight came out. So mm. unfortunately we should be on the precipice of another one, but they have said that they're, they're not going again, that they may make one someday, but today, today is not that day. So, well, uh, I think it makes sense that they would wait a bit though, because I feel like the, the time of life, these different chapters in life are kind of what those are that the films are about. And so it's like, okay, what's the next chapter after sort of having your sort of career, your family, all of that stuff, all of those choices have been made and now you are uh, finding your way with them. And so it's like, okay, well the next chapter almost would be more like empty nesting or changing careers or, you know, retirement and stuff. I mean, cause it's like generally speaking in terms of like these big headliney chapters of your life, Right. Do you think they you moved know. to a... Did I just bum everybody you know, out? No, they're going to go to a <laughs> retirement community in Florida. Like, in for that one. <laughs> I would watch that a thousand Driving times. the golf carts. Before, <laughs> before medication time. <laughs> before, before dusk. Before dinner yeah. d- at 5 p.m. <laughs> no, they would totally have, like, a fashionable caregiver that comes to their home, and it's lined with bookshelves. Ali, uh, a minute ago, mentioned um, the waking life sort of short thing, and, and you guys brought that up uh, yes. the, when we watched the first movie. I still, by the way, have, I haven't seen that bit, or if I did, I certainly don't remember it. Is there anything I need to know? No, from in, that? Fa- in fact, in fact, if you or... haven't seen it, it's probably good okay. because that, well, because Waking Life, the movie for the audience, is a, is an animated rotoscoped movie that um, Richard Linklater did. Yeah, uh, in, in it was in between. I want to mm-hmm. s- well. Well, was it was definitely like before Scanner Darkly because it was sort of the the wind up to Scanner Darkly, right? Uh, but it was before. And it, it was before before Sunset too. It was yeah. yeah. And I, I purposely again didn't watch that either because I didn't want to have any sort of preconceived notions about anything. It, do, are they having the soul conversation about like remember where he says 
that um, I can't remember if that's the conversation that they're well having. they have one of the it was <laughs> this is a funny thing because I remember watching Waking Life and being still irritated at them basically like Waking <laughs> Life is these seri- like a series of just vignettes people just, you know somebody's at dinner somebody's talking about philosophy it's a, a lot like Slacker honestly it's just everybody yes. has like a different story to tell and none are related to one another except sort of thematically so what happens is you sort of the camera sort of pans in and you see the two of them in bed together and you don't know what the history is. They don't acknowledge the history. They just are talking to each other about, you know, I always thought when I was studying Kierkegaard or whatever, and that, of course, set me <laughs> off because I hate fucking Ethan Hawke being a fucking douchebag philosopher. So, so. Pseudo-intellectual. And, and I think that was, I, seriously, that was one of those where it's like, I'm starting to like Ethan Hawke, and then I see that, and I'm like, God damn it. And I, and I disliked that, because they'd spend like five, ten minutes just talking about, well, if my soul is part of my body, or is my head part of my body, if you cut off my head, it's, I'm, I have no idea what they're talking about. I'm just like finding philosophy stuff to rant about. But. <laughs> well, I, I'm a little confused. Like, is it a canonical part of their story? Is it just some No, because I, like, I, I think Waking Life even in, is in about and of itself is, is about dreams. So yeah. it, it, okay. it could happen in any, so any plane of existence. viewing for... Okay. Exactly. Right. It becomes interesting, <laughs> and for those of us that saw it, it sort of set the idea in our minds. It's like, well, we know sort of what happened, right? But then they go in and they said, no, this is like Halloween, man. There's the first <laughs> one, and there's the 2018 one, and that's it. All that shit in between, you can't trust it, so never mind. But yeah, Waking Life was about dreams. That was the theme of the whole thing. You're Got right. It. So, okay. You so, know what else is something that I remember about this one that, I, I don't know, this might be almost mean to say, but I remember when it first started up, I remember being like, damn, Ethan Hawke does not look good. In this. <laughs> Julie Delpy is still like 10 out of 10. But I remember being like, Ethan Hawke, he looks a little skinny. But then it's weird because then you, as you spend time with him, it, you like... It makes sense. There's it, a reason that he looks like that. Yeah. I yes, think. but it's also just people aging, and, it's, and, it and then like no. it, it, it is. Jeez, <laughs> uh, spoiler alert! But there is well, like I'm this glad weird. You made it through <laughs> third movies. There is like this weird thing where um, I don't know, like people that you meet, it's like you kind of remember them as like as they were when you first sure, sure, met sure. them. You know, like all the all the people that you met when you were kids. Like even when you see them when you get older, you still like kind of remember them as as their kids. After after you like kind of get over the shock of like oh you've aged I mean it's been nine years so of course right. you're gonna look different but um but yeah I just remember thinking that 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 yeah. was a little weird at first no he actually I mean you're right compared to her who looks like she's still you know 21 years old <laughs> he looks like he's lived a life <laughs> which it's is not great. I mean he's still Ethan Hawke let's yes, not yes. I mean he's he, pretty he, in everything oh, so it's yes, not that but it's yes. just like he looks like a completely different human being by this point. Well, and we can get into specific, you know more about that after you know John has seen well, yes. the film. But there's a, there's there's I think there's really good reason for that. Okay, is he yeah. wearing a weird mask and <laughs> hiding people in his basement or it's, something? No, it's subtle. It's honestly okay. just kind of subtle. Stacy, was there anything uh, non-spoilerific that you remember about this movie, like a scene or a moment or something like that that you really enjoyed? Or you know, it's funny. I I remember the moment when they see each other again. I'm loving that, obviously, and then. I, but the thing I remember the most is like being, them being at her apartment and there's a fight, right? Mm, yeah. A little bit yeah. of it. Okay. So, yeah. see, I don't remember see. much about this one, guys. I'm sorry. Oh. I, do, I love that you're treating That's it exciting, like... though, because then you're, you're going to get more yeah. of a real, you know, revisit. 
But I, like M Night Shyamalan stuff. Yeah, yeah. That, Nelson is very, and I and I appreciate it because he's trying to protect me from stuff. But it is true yeah, that like the red wave is going down. It's like, it's like, isn't this just people in their yeah. life and like talking? Yes. Well, like, that's yes. the best part. Is it's like it's, it, it's that thing that our friends and us talk about. It's like these tiny little progressions. It's like these characters for them. It's like the most important yeah, thing on planet thing. Earth. But for us, it's just like, oh, well, big deal. (laughs) So two people meet each other in a bar or whatever. But it's, but it's, again, talking about respecting the characters, it's so, um, it is one of the most momentous things that's ever happened to these people. Right. You know, it's like, even though it's like, yeah, yeah, the personal stakes are so, I could not, you know, just about couldn't be higher. But yeah, they're not diffusing bombs. Well, well, and kudos (laughs) to the entire series of movies. Each movie feels like, oh, yes, this is a very important moment in their relationship you know and it, you know the first two it's kind of understandable by the third one we you know <laughs> it's different but <laughs> we keep talking about depressing stuff again like they're gonna stab each other to death or something but like, what about well, you Al? i mean they're films about aging and they're films yes. about like they're kind of check-ins you know which you yes. know it's, it's almost like what i always call my birthday is like a check-in you know like okay how am i doing you know right. what do i want to do differently what am i proud of that kind of stuff well, was, and, and you know so i think that's part of what resonates so much about these films is because that's such a universal feeling you know you may not uh do it at certain intervals or whatever but there's there's always that feeling as you're as you're aging you know thinking about where am i and what do i want to do and how Absolutely. is you know how's everything going when it's weird too using like these characters as a barometer for that too yeah. because like you're checking in after nine years and like oh yeah what was i like nine years ago totally what, how have i changed would i be friends with the person that i used to be would i hate the person that i used to be 100 <laughs> percent, yeah like i hated ethan hawk <laughs> so longino as we are about to take a train to vienna and hopefully meet up in amsterdam so what do you think it's <laughs> the first one <laughs> <laughs> what do you think you're going to see tonight? What do you think you're going to get out of it? What do you What are you anticipating? Well, I, so I I, have, I don't actually really know what's going to happen. So, uh, I, what I think I what's really on my mind a lot is sort of like what do I expect from this movie? As someone who hasn't seen the movie, I really like the first movie a lot. I very much don't want it to be like a repeat of the first movie. So I I, I would come into this looking at like okay. You're, you're picking the story back up. Like, what gear shifts are you doing? How are you doing this differently? That That's sort of what I want. If it is what I'm thinking, which is like they happenstance meet each other again, what I'm hoping for, we'll see. That that would be to me like, okay, and now what? You know, and, and what comes of that? Um, I, you, we're not at the third movie yet, but y'all keep talking about how sad it is. That sounds great to me. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah, that's sort of like the gear shift I'm talking about. It's like, well, we've done the like you know happy movie with the sad goodbye. So you know, if it ends in uh, a real downer, I'm I'm actually totally fine with that. <laughs> so I look forward to the next one too. <laughs> All right. Well, instead of uh, like going on and trying to prevent the spoiler train from hitting Longino smack in the face, <laughs> let's just adjourn and watch us some uh, before sunset. And we'll be back in a minute. So listen, here's the deal. This is what we should do. You should get off the train with me here in Vienna and come check out the town. What? Come on. It'll be fun. All right. Think of it like this. Um, uh, jump ahead 10, 20 years, and you're married. Only your marriage doesn't have that same energy that it used to have. You start to think about all those guys you've met in your life and what might have happened if you picked up with one of them. Let me get my bag. 
Nine years ago, two strangers met by chance and spent a night in Vienna that ended before sunrise. They're about to meet for the first time since. Hi. Hello. I can't believe you're here. Well, I live here in Paris. I wanted to talk to you for so long, you know, that now... <laughs> Me too. How long do we have? 20 minutes and 30 seconds? No, Let's we got, go. <laughs> no, we got more than that. Now they have one afternoon to find out if they belong together. I remember that night better than I do entire years. Do I look any different? I do. I'd have to see you naked. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, why don't we exchange phone numbers and stuff? Why don't we do that? Past is the past. It was meant to be that way. What? You really believe that? What does it mean, the right man? The love of your life? The concept is absurd. The idea that we can only be complete with another person is evil, right? I'm just happy to see you, even if you've become an angry, manic-depressive activist. I still like you. I still enjoy being around you. If somebody were to touch me, I would dissolve into molecules. I want to see if you stay together or if you dissolve into molecules. How am I doing? What if you had a second chance with the one that got away before sunset? And we're back on a boat in Vienna. Or Paris or somewhere. Jeez, I like you how can I never still wouldn't get it right. Get the location I, right. I thought it was funny to not get it right. Um, oh, okay. oh my God. It was on purpose. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, John Longino, now you are up on two of the three. What oh, you, yes. What was your two initial reaction? through the journey. <laughs> the journey of life. Uh, it was good. It was very good. I, um, I, I think I liked the first one more, but that's probably because my expectations were fairly, like, not low, but just, like, I didn't really know what I was getting. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one might have to sit with me for a bit. I, I imagine I'll feel differently after a while. This is like fresh off of watching. Right. It does. I know it like, I, I hate to jump straight to the ending. It does have an interesting ending that did feel a little like not finished, which I which I understand is going for this ambiguity of, uh, for the listener, it basically is like five seconds before they jump each other's bones or whatever's about to happen. I mean, I, you know, I, that seemed to be the road that was going down. So I don't think it's that ambiguous, but it it did. I don't know. Like the first movie ended and I was like, oh, perfect movie. And this one ended. and I definitely had a little bit of a head shake like, well, like it it didn't feel over to me yet. But that's my initial reaction. But I'm curious to see what you guys think. Much the same. Even though I liked it the first time I saw it, I did have much the same reaction. where I was like, oh, my God, because they feel I mean, the ending is building up this tension of, uh, you know, what's going on here? Is she admitting her love for him? Is she, is he? Oh my God! What's going on? What are they going to do about it? And the answer is evidently, guess what we're about to do? The end. <laughs> so, so that was, uh, yeah, it was an, a kind of an abrupt ending, but it's like this weird buildup of tension, and you don't get it diffused. So maybe that's the way they're trying to mark the ambiguity, <laughs> like the first one. Well, I think it's also like it's. Uh it's the exact perfect ending because it's the moment of choice. So they haven't actually done the act of it yet, but they have chosen. Like you can see it on both their faces now. Like, Oh, this is going to happen. Whereas it's like, even all the way up to like the going up through the stairs, which is this like very dangerous feeling scene, which I didn't remember feeling that way about it before, but Mm -hmm. it's like, uh, and you know, even then you're like, well, maybe they won't. You know, like maybe, and then it's like she's playing him a song. Then he puts the motherfucker puts on Nina Simone. <laughs> I was like, okay. It's like I gotta, I'm gotta bring my A game to this one because I'm going for broke. 
what did you think, Stacey? What, uh, seeing, this is your second time seeing it, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and it's funny. I do remember now being pissed the first time I saw it at that ending. Um, <laughs> honestly, like 2004 Stacey and now like 2021 Stacey, like I've been so conditioned by Marvel. It's like, it's got to be a fucking Easter egg. Like, as I sit through these credits. <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> and it's like, maybe them like waking up in bed. I, um, no, I just, uh, honestly, I felt like, I don't know. I remember what I thought at that moment too when I first saw it. It was like, oh, they didn't know how to end it. So they just chopped it off. Like they're just like, all right, right. done. Um, so maybe I'm just less, and I'm such an optimist, Allie, as you know. So yeah. um, I don't know why it bugged me so much. I guess because you're so invested for the entire film. And I know, John, um, from the last time you guys, you know, talk about our favorite scene, like there was a scene in this movie that I just loved so much that I was like, I just thought, they could have done better with that ending after so many beautiful moments throughout the film. Interesting. I remember feeling that when I saw it the first time. So what was, uh, what was the scene that you think is so beautiful? What's your favorite? Um, I love that. Well, first of all, I just noticed for the first time that the entire film was shot in like a two shot, like a medium two shot. There were no right. singles until the very end. Um, and then, yeah, I think there probably was like not a single until the end. And then um, the scene on the boat where like she didn't even want to get on the boat, but I love where she walks over to him and he's facing us and then she has her back to us. Yeah. Like just some, like the beauty of that shot and then what they're talking about where um, she was like, where you think that when you're young, you think that that connection is going to happen to you all the time. And as you get older, you realize how rare and how special it is. Like that's my favorite scene in that whole movie. Um, but again, why I felt so cheated by the ending. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know, it's interesting because you're, you're so wrapped up in that scene. That scene does have singles because you're, you're watching. That's like where they're really, especially getting wrapped up in each other. The boat, one? the boat scene. Yeah. Because it's sort of a medium single though. I mean, it's not, uh, yeah, they're not it's like close up. Yeah. There's still two shots. Oh, okay. Shot, but it starts on Ethan Hawke by himself. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, it technically in. starts as a wonder. Because it's but, like I mean, there's no close-ups. There's no like, there, you know what yeah. I mean? There's no like right. coverage really. I well, never everything... realized that before. It's it it's like it gives the actors so much space. You know, it's like a, yeah, yeah. It has it's like has that hanging out with them feeling. I suppose we should go back for the audience real quick. So this second movie, in case you haven't been watching along with us, uh, Jesse and uh, Celine. Celine, yes. Jesse uh, is at a book signing for his own book at Shakespeare. Shakespeare Shakespeare and Company. Shakespeare and Company. Shakespeare and Friends, right. In uh, in Paris. And he he wrote a book about his experience, the one night uh, experience with her. And she goes to see him at the book signing. And this is their first time meeting. Longino actually predicted it almost perfectly. He was like, they didn't meet up after the six months. Then they they don't randomly run into each other. I think that's a very important distinction story-wise that she seeks, you know, he seeks her out by writing the book. She seeks him out by going to see him at the book signing. Yeah, that, that was a very clever way to sort of make it believable. Because I even said, I don't know how they'd find each other again, but we'll see. So, yeah, that one I was like, oh, yeah, that, okay. I right. This. I mean, well, it, it, it's, it speaks to a lot of things. I mean, it's like, it's, you know, it speaks to him as an author. It speaks to her as like, oh, she's paying attention to, you know, books. And then, you know, for them to be like, oh, this is the thing. This is, you know, this is how much it's influenced my life. Because that's a lot of what the movie is. They sit around talking for a while. And, you know, for a while, it's just like, oh, what are your, what's your life like? It's very general. Like, you know, it's much like the first one. It's kind of an echo of the first movie where it's like, oh, what's your life like? Oh, who are you? And then they start narrowing it down and narrowing it down to basically by the end of the movie, they're saying, 
okay, we made a huge mistake not getting together earlier, so let's uh, rectify that right now. Well, they also did a, a, like some really interesting things where they're kind of flip-flopped, where Jesse is now the optimist and Celine mm-hmm. is kind of the pessimist, which yeah. I thought worked really well. And even the way that they worked into them meeting again for the first time, where, as Longino had concerns, it could have come across kind of cheesy or just not done well it, it the way that they execute it it's done perfectly and i love their conversation where you find out that jesse actually was there um, oh it's so and, brutal yeah, yeah and it's it's done in kind of a funny way and so they lead with humor um you know in that first sort of 10 minutes before getting into kind of the the, the nitty-gritty as it goes on um which i thought was really smart it's actually pretty funny the whole way through. I mean, that's the yes, thing I yeah. really... That was what hooked me into the movie the second time is they were much more self-aware. And they talk about it. They're like, as an adult, I'm much more self-aware. I'm much more self-confident. I'm not like trying to put up a front. And you, and that's kind of what made me like the first movie more is like they recognize, yes, they were putting up those fronts that you put up when you're younger. And, you know, kind of chastising themselves for being like, why didn't we exchange numbers? Why didn't we give ourselves a little bit more to go on? You know, it just because we were young, because we were stupid. And that was that line was actually what sold me on the first one again i was like oh okay the first movie's about when you're young and stupid and romantic okay okay maybe i was wrong the whole time i got it <laughs> so yeah that was actually that that very interaction is what sold me on both movies because it's just it was so cool the way they like reflected on their lives you know before mm-hmm. who they were before who they are now and then um to there's even a point and i forget what it is there was one time that ali i think you and i watched the movies back to back and i forget exactly what it is but there's a line in the first one where uh, julie delpy says something about oh i believe in mysticism or something like that which she completely 100 percent in the second movie says the opposite she's like i don't believe in mysticism of any kind was the one like, when he's asking about her her believing in religion or she's like oh are you right. buddhist or well yeah it, 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 God? Was, i can't remember the actual line but it was something about how she you you know he asks her are, or do you believe in this she's like absolutely not and it's like yeah but you did nine years ago don't but that's perfect because it's like mm-hmm. then it gets revealed later like how brokenhearted she is and how lost she feels and it's like sure when you're 20 and you know you just got off a train in vienna with uh, ethan hawk then i guess you believe in, mis- sure in mystical Paris? beautiful things <laughs> But, you know, later on, (laughs) maybe not as much, you know? Nelson, I think your memory is correct, because watching the first movie, I very much picked up on the idea that Ethan Hawke was like this sort of borderline atheist, sort of, he was almost like rudely kind of shitting on that sort of stuff. (laughs) Right. And then she definitely was like, oh, took him to church, took him to the tarot card reader, or the the palm reader, I think it was. Mm -hmm. And she was very open to that stuff. I got the impression she was into that. So it was interesting that they were different and then you sort of think about why and i you know i don't know if this is why but my my impression of their the influence of that experience on them was something along the lines of like he was sort of a a skeptic kind of nihilistic young man (laughs) who like fell in love with this woman and probably went on to be like oh my god that was like practically fate like this is like (laughs) god God has a plan (laughs) for me to be with julie delpy 
and like and then she seemed to take a totally different thing which is like this man ruined love for me like no, <laughs> no one ever compared to this one dumb night and i'm like so pissed off about that yeah uh, she gets well that, that really was the well, fight that you were talking about stacy and i didn't want to uh give it up for longino but there is a point where they are sort of fighting in the car on the way back to her apartment where she's talking about yeah this thing where you're like, you ruined love for me and how am i supposed to go on after all that that Which was is, the best scene in the whole movie, in my, it's, in my it's, opinion. It's yeah, not, oh, 100%. not my favorite. But I love how she, like, because literally, uh, you know, you, you kind of are, are with them, and they're kind of giving you breadcrumbs that it's like, oh, you know, he has a life that seems like it would be perfect where he's married, he has a kid, he's a published author, and it's a bestseller, and then she's kind of trying to figure herself out, and then it all kind of comes to a head in the car where she's like, I, I thought I was fine until I read your fucking book. And, right. and then the floodgates open and she's, you know, revealing all stuff to him. And he's kind of like, uh, can, can I talk? And <laughs> she's not letting him get a word in. And then, yeah. And then it, obviously they're in the same position. Becomes, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because they were meant to be because it's the most romantic fucking scene in <laughs> film history. Like I really, when I try to rack my brain thinking of a more romantic scene than that car scene, I cannot, not even the true romance balcony scene. Like, no, it's that scene Allie. because it's just so full on. Right. I mean, don't you love that? That scene is so great too, where he's just like, oh, okay. You said you love me. Now, if I say it too, and you don't, and you were kidding, I'm going to fucking die. <laughs> I was like, Jesus, that's so great. about Jack Dawson you know, giving I, I was, his life away for Rose. Uh, I was that that was a big enough door for two. To, that was but... a big enough door for two. <laughs> I mean, he drew her like one of the, his French girls, so that's, that's really is the most romantic. Hey, oh, I can't claim mind. to be cool enough to not have been wrapped up in that at the time. But are, are you know. and I the only two people who unabashedly love Titanic? Oh yeah, here I enjoy Titanic. No, I loved it. I I'm just saying I haven't seen Titanic. it since Great. then. There we go. It was funny though that the you know there was such a backlash. Nobody in the world seemed to love Titanic for like ten years. Well, I mean, honestly, the only problem I really have with it now is the door issue. It's like, it's just like, why didn't they just cut the door in half or something? Like, make it a smaller piece of wood. And it doesn't make any sense. They couldn't both fit, which is... Anyway, so speaking of which, I mean, anyway, most, I think this is more romantic than Titanic by a lot. I, I, most, I, most, romantic, I would agree. most romantic scene in the movie, perhaps in all of cinema history. Now, given, of course, and this is this was funny to watch uh, Longino slowly realize, given that Ethan Hawke is indeed married, has a kid and she's in another relationship, but it's with a mostly absent boyfriend. So. There is that part. I mean, I really loved this movie when I saw it. And part of the reason I I really enjoyed it is because they didn't shy away for how shitty that is to be like, here I am in Paris about to have an affair on my wife, who, by the way, I don't really love that much anyway. So fuck her. Well, but the thing is, it's like it it's done in this way where it's like you can see him genuinely wrestling with it. He doesn't want to be a dick. He's not trying to be callous, but it's like the truth is the truth. I mean, I think that's what's so romantic about it is that it isn't like he's just ignoring that fact, mm-hmm. but it's also like the, the idea of like the fact that they laugh with each other so easily through the whole thing, even as they call each other on their shit and everything. That's like the real thing. Right. You well, know, that, when, I mean, you know? I like that too. They act like they've known each other for years and they again only knew each other for about 12 hours. Right. So the fact that they have this banter back and forth and they feel very easy in front of each other is great because I mean, I think obviously in real life they have more of a, you know, they have a close relationship because they've been working together right. for years, but it, it, it translates really well to just like, they just, 
click right in. They're just so easy. Yeah, no, and they they do, but they they also do show some of the awkwardness, you know, from where it's like they they kind of don't know what to say sometimes, and they're they're you know, Ethan Hawke is being a dork multiple times (laughs) throughout the film, uh, that I think also works really well. Well, I like the fact that he is an unabashed dork. I mean, he is so complete. Like, because in the first movie, he's a dork, but he's also trying to put up that front. <laughs> that young man, like, eh, I'm cool, but I'm not. You know, don't don't think me a fool or nothing. And in this one, he's just like, No, nah, I'm an idiot. It's all right. I know it. <laughs> Which I really enjoyed. He's just so self-effacing in this movie. Uh, I, I did really appreciate that he was married. I mean, because that was my concern. I even said it going in was like, I hope they do something different because to me, if he's not married and everything, it's all green light to get together right that's honestly kind of a boring movie right where's the drama where's the conflict yeah yeah so i i was really appreciated that and it it took me on the uh, kind of a hot minute like i didn't really know or notice it or think about it until they were in the like cafe and then they're sharing cigarettes or having coffee or whatever and i just happened to notice like I was like, y'all heard me. I was just like, wait, does he have a wedding ring? <laughs> yeah, you were, like a, you were like a detective with that. Because I, yeah. I did not pick that up when I was watching it originally. I remember when he, you know, when she mentions like, oh, I read in the, the article that you're married and have a kid. I was like, wait, what? Did? <laughs> oh, right. wow. That would have been nice to know. <laughs> well, and it's oh. so heartbreaking when she says, you know, oh, I know, you know, I read that you're married and have a kid. Because she doesn't say it right away. She says it so far into their conversation. Well, it's, it's the more horny he gets, the more it. The more she's like, like, oh, I got to bring this yeah, up. Because... Every time he's like, hey, how about we get a hotel room? What do you say? You know, that's that's when she like <laughs> hits the brakes on it. And it's he's getting really like aggressive with that. And then that's when she's like, hey, how, how's your wife? Like, yeah, <laughs> which like, is great because it's yeah. like, of course, he would be he's shocked, you know, and this is exactly what he's been wishing for for years. And then here it is like he's right. he's like constantly vacillating between trying to be respectful and being like, holy shit, you're in front of me. Yeah, I mean, he's you straight, know? like jumping out of his bones. Like, <laughs> yeah. Just, you know, when he yanks her on that park bench. Yeah. 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 Down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, easy dude. turbo. <laughs> Play it cool. Yeah. Like, she said she like horny american man that was practically a green light i guess i, I guess know. so well well yeah. that's the thing is it's like they are the the flirting gets just escalated yeah. you know it's so it's so well done that way i wasn't looking for it but I, I i'm fairly certain and i mean obviously it worked really well so maybe that's why i think i'm certain the wedding ring thing is by design because we were once you said oh is he wearing a wedding ring then we started looking and he and ethan hawk was like conspicuously hiding his left hand yes and then there came a point where he started like putting it up more and more Mm. so that like i think they were definitely trying to signal to the audience like okay you should be catching this now we've given it to you a few times so i thought that was really clever because there was like one time when it's it was on his the, the the camera was on her and it was over his shoulder and he like wiped his face but his ring finger is like right next to the camera the way he you know brought his fingers to his face i thought that was really clever yeah, that, that seems one of those little pieces of information that's like, it, it, it's interesting that each viewer would probably have a different experience of when they might notice that mm-hmm. and how drastically that could change scenes. Right. Because I was on to it pretty early, but I could imagine if, if I didn't notice it until she was like, how's your wife? Like, that's a total, <laughs> it's practically a different movie at that point. <laughs> like, that's really interesting. Well, the thing is that I thought was interesting and I hadn't really thought of this before, but they are really good about hiding information in different ways. There's that that they hide and then when they first see each other in the bookstore he doesn't like double take and do like a Tex Avery Gauga it's that girl he like sees her and like oh hey you're here oh okay and he like goes up to her and talks to her and they have that interaction for a second and you almost think to yourself did they 
get together it's and then such they just a great yeah it's a great little moment of suspense because you're like oh there's a immediate sort of closeness but then it's so calm that you're just yeah. like oh well maybe they used to have a relationship but now they're meeting yeah, up again like they got together they did it for a couple yeah. of years or whatever but then they're like ah fuck it and then went on with their lives they, it, they had that sort of easy x interaction uh, right yeah but i i kind of read it the opposite way because when he looks up you can tell he's like he's explaining that story about the pop song that he was thinking about writing <laughs> and then when he catches eyes with her it, it's like it starts to go foggy and he like uh-huh. and then yeah. he just kind of wraps up the story quick because sure. that's that's the real reason why he came in and then when he goes up to her he kind of starts right. stumbling well paul's also too he didn't the first thing he said was like oh my god it's you it was like oh hey do you want to get a cup of coffee i got a few <laughs> minutes you know it's like again very casual i got the rest of my life I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're still kind of young right i mean we can do this yeah i just like that they kept the mystery you know for what is a real-time walk through paris which is by the way one of my favorite parts that it is the movie takes place in real time the first movie didn't it had actual ellipses and you know you there were things that you like the sex for example you didn't see but the, this movie it was like definitively like no the, every minute you see you're seeing every second that they're together from the beginning to the end which i really appreciated and he also didn't try and make it look like he did it in one shot either <laughs> which, yeah there when there wasn't any of that showy stuff yeah not at all i would actually say he sublimated himself even more than he usually does which is he's not like a flashy director and even this time it was there was less like back and forth like less he like did these shots of them like walking for a long yeah like what stacy was saying about like there's not a not a heavy amount of coverage it's just here's the shot yeah very simple Except that part where they're running by the Seine. I was like, are they like guerrilla filmmaking this scene? Because they were like, <laughs> walk by the river. She's like, she's in heels. <laughs> fucking French. That was another thing that was funny too. Fucking Ethan Hawke constantly making fun of her for her her Frenchness, her being a communist. And clearly loving those things about her too, yes. which I thought was great. Because that's mm-hmm. what you tease your loved one the most about is the stuff that you think is so exciting about them. Well, again, it was that easy uh, interaction between the two. Uh, I, I really liked the idea that, uh, really the theme of the movie, because one of the things that struck me about the first one I really liked was, I, I think I even said this last time, that it was just sort of about the present about right. living in the now, right? Like that was kind of the theme of that movie. Like enjoy this while you're on the clock and you still can. I thought it was really clever that it, the theme I got out of this movie was this is about the past. This is about your mm. memory of an event. Every, literally everything about the movie was like about that night and what it meant to them. And I thought it was really cool that the movie was bookended with at the beginning he's written a novel so okay (laughs) that kind of dispels any uh you know we know where he stands incredibly significant to him (laughs) like and the whole movie is sort of you're sort of uh with julie delpy like you you definitely pick up that it meant a lot to her right but she's so negative about it and it's just like oh i you know it's things shouldn't matter like this it should just kind of go away and why (laughs) why are you still in my heart you son of a bitch or like and then by the end of the movie 
they get, yeah when he leaves the uh, limo forever <laughs> and the poor driver's still standing down back. there oh, I'll be day. right back uh, that's the other thing to me there's no ambiguity the dice is cast the second he's like oh how about I come up to your room like it's like <laughs> yeah. okay like, well, well it's more like there's that feeling of like they're circling each other they're circling each other this is probably gonna happen but I feel like that's where the, where the actual ending comes it's like no we've decided no turning back yeah. now but I, I love I love when he they walk away from the driver and, and Longino goes <laughs> <laughs> he goes that he ain't never seen that driver again <laughs> <laughs> yeah i definitely was like yeah but he's not i think i even said like he's not making this flight like, yeah i, I was gonna say you called the you yeah. called the end like 10 seconds in you, you <laughs> right. when he saw her he's like he ain't make or when he was well, leaving they, they, the, they kept saying over and over the, you got a 7 30 flight you got yeah. a 7 30 flight like, and launch was like he's he not making that flight <laughs> well they said it like one too many times where i was like there's no way but um, but I liked this bookend of now we're in her apartment. Now it's this like play me a song, and then there's this multiple choice where like obviously he's gonna pick the the, the waltz, the waltz, and then that was this that that was the bookend. It's like oh she literally wrote a song about this night. Like it obviously meant a lot to and her too. And it's lovely. It's yeah. a beautiful song. So that was vulnerable. actually yeah. That was my favorite part of the movie. Mm-hmm. Was mm-hmm. that song. Let me sing you a waltz Out of nowhere, out of my thoughts Let me sing you Because it was just so... There's so many ways that could have been so sappy and dumb, but, like, it was actually pretty fantastic. And that, to me... I I think that's why the ending felt so strange to me is because sort of, like, they they had it right there. They could have just cut it there. It was basically over for me. So to have this weird, like, drag on where she's, like, (laughs) dootsie-doing around it. Like, I was like, okay. Like, it made me think now there's more to come. Mm. And then it didn't. So, But I think they agree they should have cut it on that part. Oh, you think so? Yeah. yeah, I I would have been down with that for sure. I kind of love it. I mean, because I love the idea that it's like, oh, you think it's it's ending here. And then it's just giving you just the tiniest taste of what continues to happen with them. Like they're like them sitting in comfort with each other. I don't know. I, the only I motivation I could possibly see is some desire for ambiguity or something like the idea being you could imagine if they do or don't or something. But to me, I don't know. The, everything they were putting down, like there was no ambiguity for me. Like it was very clear. Like, well, do you think that going. they needed the line the darling you're gonna miss that flight or whatever she said yeah, yeah. honey you're gonna miss said, that flight. baby yeah oh, yes. baby you're baby gonna miss that's that right flight. yeah which is like dang that's bold well and part of says, it is yes, like I they am. built up so much tension which is like okay they've been you know they did that big circle up the stairs without talking she's yeah. been singing this song that means so much and and she sings the song and that's that's your i think what you're reacting to is like that's when they're supposed to just like okay fuck it and then they just bang each other right there and then right but instead she puts the guitar down <laughs> goes to get the tea well i love it too that we never like we don't get to see a kiss and like i love it how everyone has a different interpretation of them walking up the stairs because like for me i i when they were walking up the stairs i got the same sort of emotion that i got in the um in the record player scene in the last movie where they like once they're walking up it's it's like done deal they know that they're you know this is a thing yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. and so the whole time they're walking up it's like that awkward stage before something happens yeah when they're both just kind of anticipating it um and then i also love the um when i forget what he's talking about but she goes he's like expressing how 
unhappy he is with his life and she like she wants to touch him she reaches yeah. her hand out oh, yeah, yeah. and then like yeah. pulls back right. and then when they get out then she says i can i do something and then she hugs him and says i want to see if he'll dissolve into molecules right because um, sure. you could tell that she like she wanted to comfort him and wanted to touch him right but that you know whether it was because you know he had a kid or she just like didn't want to cross that line she yeah. had been reserved and then she finally is like okay well i at least like want to touch you and hold you right which I thought well was that one great. like you say the almost touching was even like a mirror of the first one like i think when exactly, he did it in the in yeah. the like um because he almost Ferris touched wheel. her he was on the same side it was the same hand i think it was like deliberately set up to mirror that first oh. and yeah. i have to give them credit for the fact that they sold that moment because that is the cheesiest shit <laughs> that like other films try to do and it's like nobody can do that nobody does that but it's like the way she does it is just so perfect and it's so well timed with the way Definitely. he's like looking out the window. I was like, well, because she made it seem awkward. That's the thing I yes. like is that she's like moving into touch and then she like jerks away like, oh shit, what am I doing? You know what I mean? Yeah. It wasn't just like a. Huh. Well, the other reason I really like the song is that that um, they sort of paint her. I don't. I'm interested about this choice. That early on, they have this bit where she claims to not remember that they had sex. <laughs> right. And then later on in the movie, sort of comes clean as like, yeah, no, I, I definitely remember it. And then she sort of writes off. It's like, yeah, women do that sometimes. You know, we just sort of lie or whatever. Right. And so they, they sort of open the idea that she's somewhat emotionally dishonest at times about like w what she's actually thinking or what it actually meant to her. So to me, when she's like, I was fine until I read your stupid book. And then, like, at the end of the movie, busts the guitar out and plays the song. It's like, okay, okay, well, it's not like you had moved on until you read the book. Obviously, you were pretty into this. Like, uh, to me, that was the most honest she was. Like, straight up, like, here's my heart kind of scene. Well, right. and also the whole thing where she, I mean, I don't know how you feel, Stacey, about the whole thing where she's just like, you know, women lie about these things. I'm like, do we? Because <laughs> I was just like, girl, I mean, like... Yes, I mean, I, I only dated on for about five writer. minutes, but like, I noticed Stacy's being real quiet. Just <laughs> me on mute. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what did you think of that? Because I just felt like it was it was just defense mode, like as opposed to. Yes, do you to, think you know... that women are inherently dishonest emotionally? <laughs> no, I, I, I'm not. I've been told I'm too honest. So, <laughs> same. Yeah, so I can't relate to that, but. Um, no, I, I did think it was an interesting choice that she like is so determined to play it off like she forgot that whole event. And then you find out that not only did she remember, but she like remembered in vivid detail. Right. Yeah. She remembered there was extra details that he was like, oh, yeah, right. Okay. Well, it was almost like she was like, oh, I just can't talk about it. So then I'm going to pretend I don't remember it. And then she yeah. kind of had dug herself in, <laughs> right. you know, yeah, kind of thing. I'm trying to remember the timeline because it seemed like she was being emotionally dishonest when she kind of wasn't sure what, like, it seemed like opening herself up to yes. reciprocating the feelings when he right. has a, you know, He's a wife a and a man. kid. Yeah. It's like it, she is protecting herself and maybe even him a little bit in yeah. doing that. Mm, but I, yeah. but I don't remember the timeline of when she tells him that versus like, um, everything else. So. Yeah, I don't think she's being malicious. Like, I think, I think if anything, it's sort of like emotional insurance or something. Yeah. Like, just, yeah. just kind of, uh, yeah, like you said, holding off. She doesn't quite know where he's at. Because he's so, like, keen on, yeah, uh, right. like you had mentioned where he's, like, he's talking about having sex all, all day in between, <laughs> like, 
<laughs> yeah, I whatever mean, they like, he's throwing it out there where it's clear, like, yeah, right? yeah, he's just pitching a tent all. The time. <laughs> it's, like, it's pretty obvious what's happening. But isn't this how they both well, were in the first? Sorry, go ahead, Ali. Yeah, no, yeah, no, they it. were though. Yeah. yeah, like he was definitely more of the overt hornball. Right. Yeah, but for I sure. also think there's those like tropes of like American and French, right? We're all like Americans smile too much and we talk too much and we talk about ourselves and French people are very reserved and so I think they were just kind of also fulfilling those. I don't know. I don't, I don't want to say stereotypes, but you know, when he's like, Oh, I'm a, this kind of American. And she's like, Oh, I was this kind of a French girl. But yeah, I, I definitely think it had to do with them continuing their characters from when they were younger in the first movie. Mm. Yeah. Well, and also yeah. like you can tell that they've always been sort of blown away by the sort of exoticism of the other person, you know? So it's like sure. they're in the first one and this one, like constantly talking about like, okay, Frenchie. Okay. American. It's like, <laughs> you guys are into that. Yep. Well, in blowing up the stereotypes, I mean, like, for example, the the guy, the guy that he was in the first movie, he'd definitely be the guy who's like, oh, I bust, I got a, he got a guitar and I'm going to sing a, didn't he even have a guitar or something? Maybe I'm wrong. But he's no. just like, let me sing a song about you, baby. That's his job, right? And the fact that she is the one that busts out the, the song about the, the guy that she loved or whatever. I don't know. I, I thought that was a nice reversal. Oh, do you of, know what I, I loved? Do you guys notice? Remember the last one? I mean, because we just saw the movie where um, <laughs> they pay the guy to write the poem and he, yes, they give yes, him yes. milkshake. And then, you know, right. they're like, oh, I bet he just plugs in. Like he has a blank poem and he plugs that word in. It reminded right. me of that when he's like, I'll bet you put any uh, guy's name into that song. Right. right. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, I didn't yeah, really totally. pick up on that. Yeah, no, I love that. I love that. I, I also thought that it was funny, which I, I don't, I can't remember if he talks about being, I know that he was reading like a, some what like Nitschke or he was reading right. somebody yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then uh, but I don't remember him talking about like being a writer so I thought that it was funny that yeah he was talking shit about the guy who who wrote the poem and then it's like he becomes a published author and wrote about this romantic night that he had with right with her and he was like such a cynic as far as everything romantic <laughs> And then totally became a full-blown romantic. Well, I also right. really like that you don't really get much of a sense in the first movie what they want to do for their work, you know, like what their callings are. Mm. And then when when you see them in this one and they're, you know, an organizer and a, an author and you're like, of course you are. <laughs> it's like it, it feels so organic even though we didn't see him do the sort of Brighton Beach memoirs approach to, you know, taking notes as he walks around or anything. But it does the thing that always makes me wonder about like movies about writers. It's always whenever you see a movie about a writer, it's always like, oh, it's my first book. Like you know, Back to the Future. It's like, oh, George, your first novel. It's like the dude is forty five years old and it's his first novel. What was he doing for twenty five years to get a nice house? What has Ethan Hawke been doing for the nine years since? Because he said it took him four years to write it. Is he a journalist? But, uh, is he a... Uh, dude, come on, that's much more realistic. <laughs> I, I know. I'm just, but I'm curious. It's like, no, he's like a fresh author. I want to know what he had to do for the last. You know, his eight years probably an that. executive somewhere. I mean, let's be <laughs> honest. <laughs> teacher, remember? Yeah. They're living oh, off a teacher salary. Oh, yeah. That's right. That's right. Sorry. He's actually probably a teacher too. That's that's probably the answer. They met while they were teaching, right? Well, they met no, when met they were in college. college. Oh, yeah. they met in college. Well, then yeah. never mind. See, I'm not paying attention. It was a makeup breakup thing, and then she was pregnant. And <laughs> well, that COVID. was another thing too. Didn't his parents get married because they were pregnant with him? I don't recall that, but that I don't could remember be the that case. either. I, I vaguely have. I think I remember, yeah, from the first one where he he mentions that it seems like they were only together for the kids, yep. right? Mm. Which which he, he is, is now following in yep. their footsteps. Where it's like because he basically says the same thing. It's like, eh, 
we were together she got pregnant and it just seemed like the thing to do and i was like oh man see that's kind of an interesting psychological thing anyway because it's just taking him down the exact same road yeah especially after he railed against his parents so much in the first one about how distant they were yeah. There's there's a hot minute where he gets real real like he <laughs> starts dropping shit like you know I, I looking at this child's face is the only reason I'm putting up with this and I was thinking about you on my wedding day and all and I was just like man like, see most romantic scene ever uh, yeah. well well the idea that you know like this person is so my person that I'm gonna have to blow up the rest of my life to to live a real life because I have to be with this person I mean Jesus how could there be the only thing more romantic is if you just like get it right straight off the bat and then you just go off having a good time for the rest of your life but <laughs> but it's like other than that I mean that's pretty yeah he just bangs it's... Julie Delpy and then uh leaves his wife and just wanders the world trying to find other mistresses <laughs> But I think what's interesting, I I can hear the romantic view of this. They were fated to be together. This is meant to be. The the cynic viewpoint, which I will give, is more like (laughs) they had a really significant night. And at this stage in the movie, it's not even about being in love with each other. It's like they are in love with that night. Mm. Yeah. Well, right. you they could feel, definitely. Much, they know each other two days. Like, <laughs> but see, but see that's... the idea of each other. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Let's get real for a minute. Like, you have a wife and kid, and it's, you're just throwing it all in the trash. For I understand she was important, and you wrote a novel, and all, but like, get let get come on for a moment. Like, <laughs> but that's you know. also why I think the movie isn't so much about uh, the idea of the idea of memory and stuff is such a significant part of it. But for me, it's much more, it feels much more about assessing, you know, like about thinking about where you are in your life and what you want to do. So it's almost like if it wasn't, if he didn't meet her, something else was going to break that marriage up real soon. Oh yes. You know, like that was, that was obviously not something that was supposed to be happening, but um, yeah. I mean, I, I would say that I've definitely moved on from that phase of my life but i do think that there is there was a period of time where i was you know where you have like those those one nights where you're like this night is like life defining and like i i will hearken back to it and this will be like something that i'll always remember and treasure and oh my god Mm -hmm. the you know the connections that i made that night were so significant and now it's like okay i'm older (laughs) it's it like i i realize that i'm not gonna spend three or four years thinking about one night but it, <laughs> but it is like oh there there is a time where where you like think that those one nights are completely life altering and and some of the times they are i mean i yeah. guess like that's yeah. what happened the night i met my wife you know it, it I was, was gonna say i'm like yeah there's if i didn't go to a certain party i wouldn't be married to a certain party over there yeah. so yes. yeah right but there is there is an interesting examination of like infatuation and romantic sort of like butterfly love versus like commitment and respect. They even have a conversation about it where it's like, yeah, "Yeah, I, my, I have a love with my wife and it's a respect and it's a this and it's our child, but it's not, what we had this like horny you know parisian fuck fest <laughs> like and well, it, but the reality is like that will never last for anybody like that's sure. not a you know yes that's a starting of a great relationship but well maybe then it's a good time to ask what do you think is going to happen in the third movie <laughs> before midnight <laughs> frankly the way y'all are talking about it, it I, you know I, it doesn't sound like it goes well <laughs> i'll say that it doesn't sound like the happy storybook ending that that maybe people want. I mean, I you know, I uh, I don't know. Like, there was a bit of uh, uh, there were some loose lips today, and I did hear something <laughs> about them being married. So I will confess that is not a guess. 
That is something I overheard in discussion. So I'm going to, pres- I know that they're married in the next movie. I know that much. So, which is fine. They're There's- in something akin to a marriage. Okay. Well, whatever it is. I don't Maybe. know. That's my guess is that they're married. Apologies. Cause I'm pretty sure that's my fault. Yeah. It, that's, <laughs> but that's quite all right. I'm not surprised to see that. I, to me, that would be the, if it's before midnight, you know, now they're beyond this this two day you know fun time and into like real life. Yeah, now and the clock got to go to bed by midnight. I mean, if I were writing the movie, they're getting divorced. Like that's <laughs> that's the movie. Like uh, frankly, and and if that's what it is, that would be awesome. Because <laughs> then it'd be the most true. <laughs> well, that's my that's my guess. They're getting divorced. You, that's what I think's happening. You have you were right on this one. So who knows? So I have to. Bring everybody back one more time to see what happens in uh, Before Midnight. But before we uh, start talking about that, Stacy, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Did you have anything else you wanted to add about this amazing adventure down memory lane? No, I have to. Well, I do have to say that I had no desire to see Before Midnight again. I mentioned uh, last time, like the, the time in my life, I was like, I have no interest in ever seeing this movie, but I'm having so much fun with you guys that I will come back. Woo! You asked me. We did it. All Victory right. Thank you. Yes, please. I feel the same way. I've only seen it the one time, and uh, but I'm excited to watch it with you all. I feel I like it'll it's, be fun. yeah, I feel like it might be a dark night of the soul, but like I'm into it. Yeah. Well, I was telling these guys before we started recording that uh, this is, to me, there's very few movies that I just will not watch anymore, but like Saving Private Ryan is one of them. Like I can't get past the, you know, after the, after the initial half hour, that's awesome. I, I won't watch till the end because I, I don't want to watch a guy get stabbed to death. Jesus, this is, you're equating the before I'm equating before with midnight the, like, with watching a guy stabbed? get stabbed to <laughs> death. Guys, yes, I'm gonna watch yeah. it and be like, "This is that bad, y'all." Like, yeah. Come on, what, I mean, I don't want to give stuff away, but no, it is not that. Is she poisoned, and if she doesn't get the antidote before midnight, she's gonna die. Right, it's just like the charming things of like the other two movies, like antithesis. Right. Well, it was sort of it's like a nod to the beginning of this one where he talks about, "Well, I don't have like you know, I don't have guns in my life, and there's not bombs." It becomes like a spy thriller. He has to, you know, get the poison out of his system before midnight. That John's is why it's put in. Just like his... out there trying to pitch a fourth film. God, I'd watch that what movie. What if? But oh, see, I like. You. I'm excited about because we have our lovey dovey movies. Like, I to me, if it's if it's brutal, awesome. Like that because that's a that's something new. Like, I want to see a different thing. That's yeah. like, yeah. I mean, that's it's fair. Yeah, it's very. Uh, it, yeah, it's very Bergman, as I like to oh, say. I, it's I very very. <laughs> No, I do too. I know you do. I know we have very similar tastes on this sort of thing where it's like, I have this side of me that's like wildly romantic and this other side of me that's like, watch us all suffer. <laughs> so wait, so what, what is everyone's favorite of, of I mean, I guess thus I could say far. of the three, but yeah, thus yeah, far no, uh, of the two. Stacey, what's your Before favorite? Before Sunrise, the first Before one. S- okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, Josh, what's your favorite? I, I love this one. Mainly, and again, it mainly goes to the fact that I when I heard about it, I didn't think that they should make it because I thought that the first one was perfect. But right. the way that they executed it, I thought that it was great. And I, again, I I love, I, see, I didn't feel any sort of ambigu- ambiguity at the end. Like, I love that they reconnected and then it, it left where it's like, okay, they're getting together and done in like a, a really satisfying way. Allie? Yeah, well, before sunset. Yeah, absolutely. I it's interesting cuz uh, thinking about how it's like in a typical movie like this you would then see them at least making out if not actually fully 
having sex but they didn't show that in the first one either they let them mm, kiss right but we didn't see the sex and i think that's like a per- personal a, a purposeful thing where i mean obviously it is but uh in that they're saying you know like their connection isn't just obviously there's a very sexual sort of heat between them but it's also much more about their conversation you know like mm-hmm. the way that they talk to each other and their connection and that sort of thing but right well, i think you're able to fill in the the, the gaps like yeah like what you imagine them doing together is probably going to be much more romantic than whatever 100 percent. don't right? show the shark where it's yeah. so much better to exactly. just yeah, yeah imagine what it is i mean i think it's 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 also i'm just impressed that this movie made me root for a divorce <laughs> and no, no, that's but fair. and um also be angry with him about it at the same time because you're angry with him so not so much for the fact that he's gonna have to get divorced to be with somebody who actually actually loves and and has fun with and all of that but also because he and for both of them really that that he put that um that goal for his own happiness aside and just went ahead and did the thing he thought he was supposed to do and what a tragedy that is, you know, and so, and, and how angry I always have felt at this imaginary character for making that choice, you know, that's cause that's really the nightmare is always like the idea that, you know, somebody luckily, I don't think this is true in my case that somebody marries you because they feel obligated, right. you know? And that's, yeah. and so it's like, by the end of the movie, you're like, yeah, get divorced. Even if this doesn't work out, if this is just a catalyst, that's important enough. And also that car scene is just so fucking romantic and lovely. <laughs> well, Anjano, you've already kind of said which one's your favorite. Sure. So far. Well, I, well, I can, I can stay why, say why I, I agree with you, Stacey. I think, I think before sunrise is my favorite of the two we've seen so far. I think a, a lot of what I missed in this one, and I know I said, I didn't want it to be identical, but that one is not burdened with like having to go over the history of, sure. of what was. Yeah. So it's much more like a kind of, Actually, it, more typical Linklater stuff. Of, they're just talking about life and random shit, and that's mm-hmm. kind of that. Their their relationship and romance is sort of subtext, uh, and it's a lot more yes. under the surface. And and I I kind of prefer that. This while I really enjoyed it, the first movie is it's like essential and required to even. I wouldn't like no one could watch this movie without having seen the first one. <laughs> it would make zero sense. Um, and, and I did like it as a follow-up and I, as someone who was wary about it even existing, I would say it succeeded <laughs> and I really enjoyed it. Um, but I, I think the first one's a better movie. Mm. Well, I've said it many times that this was the one that turned the whole series for me. So this is obviously my, my favorite of the three, just because it, it pulled a magic trick on me. And every time I see it, it still manages to, to keep pulling magic tricks on me. Like I say, there's always something I'm noticing about it. It's like, oh, man. And it's such a simple movie. So for it to be able to be like, oh, well, here's another thing I hadn't really noticed before is, is always a, a, a nice thing to discover about your favorite movie. So. Well, if you get a chance to, to read about this, the making of this film, and it's really interesting because Linklater talks about how it's like, everybody thinks that this these movies are so easy to make and he's like no you have no idea how incredibly detailed and how much research or not research rehearsal and all of these conversations we had and all of the way that we talked about how to keep the camera sort of in that light way how much Mm. fucking work that takes and he's like so then all these other poor filmmakers think they can just go shoot people walking on the street talking (laughs) to each other and it's going to have that that same energy well that i mean that's a tribute to the actors especially because like he says they rehearsed it they wrote and rewrote it almost nothing they're saying it seems improv the movie seems improv and yet almost none of it is improv oh yeah and i will say that like uh 
acting wise, I felt like this one was much better acted in, in the sense of where like when they're going into conversations about their life or whatnot, I felt like in the first and before sunrise, you're kind of able to see them start talking and then be like, oh, okay, this is where I go into like my story. Like sure. right. the actors this, this were one, so young too. Yeah. yeah. And this one felt much more natural that they went into it. And again, it's, it's tough when like, you're not cutting away. Like you're literally having them have like their moment where they think about it. And then they're like, Oh yeah, that reminds me of the time. This is this and that. Yeah. It's almost right. theater. Wow. Yeah. I, I had the total opposite experience. Really? <laughs> I, and I don't think it's any fault to the actors. I think the dialogue they have to land is so much more difficult in this movie. <laughs> like you can sell me on like I went here to this graveyard as a kid you know that's pretty I can buy that pretty quick to sell me on like you have meant everything to me for nine years. <laughs> I, I, I think there was it handled it about as gracefully as it could but mm-hmm. I think the the stakes of this movie are so hard that mm-hmm. I did feel a bit of an anxiety in I don't know if it was the direction or the performance or whatever in like landing it mm. whereas the first movie's more carefree and casual and I, I it felt more natural to me well i actually think that uh, that is an interesting thing that they did too the first one it's like there's a ticking clock they got a train to catch or whatever but this one it's like he's got a plane to catch he's got a wife at home it's like the more <laughs> they talk the more that the stakes kind of build up so that by the end when they're in this apartment and you're kind of like i don't know what to hope for the tension is you know the bubble's about to bust and then they yank it out from you (laughs) yeah and i I really love that too how uh i think stacy you talked about like the comparisons to Locke with um these movies but um yeah like the personal stakes are just so high for both of them and they do it in such a smart way the way that they like kind of reveal the information that like keeps ratcheting it up to where by the time that they're walking up to the apartment it's like holy shit what is gonna like i mean you kind of right. know what's gonna happen but you're like there is a lot riding on this and and i mean now that they've revealed everything in the car you yeah you like kind of feel that tension and when it goes well you're like re- or at least i was relieved <laughs> Or when she, you know, she's singing the song, she's singing the waltz, and then it gets to the part in the song where she name checks Jesse, <laughs> and then he, name checks. <laughs> and then yeah, and then he smiles, and then you're like, okay, I I get where this is going, and all that tension is gone. Right. Well, that was another thing I liked about them going to the apartment. The the there's just like a family or a series of families downstairs, like cooking up, and they just sort of say hi and. I think, you know, the French that I understand, Julie Delphi's like, oh, I'll be down in a few minutes. Um, I was like, that's just so crazy that, like, they just, in thinking about all of this movie, they also thought, oh, hey, let's just plant a random, like, family having fun. It just was so organic to the moment and just, like, the oh, The cat yeah. and all these lived-in kind of yeah, things. And, yeah, and, you know, the reactions that they give, like, oh, no, I'll be back, I'll be back. I don't know. It, it was just one of those, like, it made it feel more grounded and organic. So there, so there it ends. All right. <laughs> well, Stacy, thank you for joining us once again, and can't uh, wait to see you a third time for Before Midnight. Thanks for having me. It was nice to see you guys again. Uh, as y'all know, Stacy Jorgensen, movie producer, No Man of God, DVD, VOD, check it out. Josh Lentz, thank you again for joining us. Thanks for having me. We'll see you again next time, I assume. Oh, yeah. I'll oh, be yeah. Got to take it to the end on you. <laughs> yeah. Allison, thank you, as usual, for, for being our third. <laughs> yeah, man. These are some of my favorite movies, so I'm delighted. Also, can I just say I'm just delighted that Josh is so into these movies? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's so, it. so weird because I am He not didn't give hackers like this much like, oh, my God, I love it so. <laughs> well, you have very, like, you know, you have 
like strenuous taste. So for you to love it is always like great, you know? It's, oh. Yeah, it's fun. And John Longino, thank you again for yeah. catching up with thank us. Thank you all. And thank you for showing me these excellent movies. All right. Well, we will be back next time. Until then, you can reach us at holduppodcast at gmail.com. You can also go to holduppodcast.com. Check out our social medias, the Facebook, the Twitters, the Instas. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And until next time. Memory is a wonderful thing if you don't have to deal with the past. <laughs>